All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. <laughs> Here, Brad, what's going on, man? Dude, you know, just another day recording up hot after a busy weekend of sports, lots of family time. Hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgivings across the weekend. I mean, yeah. I can't be doing much better. Yeah, same, dude. You know, obviously we took a, a break, a little bye week, if you will, on uh, on Sunday for the live show. Truthfully, my 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 throat was kind of hurting from uh, from Saturday's big win over Ohio State. You know, uh, plus it was my daughter's birthday, and you had uh, a big game that you wanted to watch too. So it just didn't really make sense. We thought maybe a bye week fit in. It did, and it was nice because a lot of times on Thursday Thanksgiving, there's tons of games there, and then there's less on Sunday. So it wouldn't have been. Uh, the biggest of live shows anyway but regardless well thankful for you guys thanks for coming back and listening um hope you guys had a great thanksgiving we got a cool little show planned for today and we'll go ahead and get it started um so what we're going to do here is i'm going to go through all 32 teams okay um i'm going to give you a team you're going to tell me if you think they should start preparing for the playoffs or still preparing for the playoffs or pack it up plan for the draft Basically, your season's over. You're not you're not a contender. Or if you're like, hey, I think this team has the pieces. They're definitely trending in that direction. Make sense? Yeah. All right. So, you ready for the first one? Yeah, go for it. Detroit Lions, baby. Um, <laughs> I think they should probably start preparing for the draft. <laughs> Yeah, I actually think they're the only team mathematically eliminated right now. Uh, Dan Campbell was asked about that, and he just said that he's trying to play spoiler, which makes sense. Uh, this one's an interesting one, because of all the teams that... Never mind. I'm just going to ask. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, they're 3-8, and eight, and they are currently two games out of the seventh spot. Yeah, um, I think they should start preparing for the draft. Um, I think so because one, I think they should start to decide what they're going to do with Russell Wilson. Um, they still have three games in division left and they're by far the worst team in their division. So I think Russell Wilson's playing injured. Their running backs gone for the year. They have no pass rush and no cornerbacks. So I don't think the Seahawks should prepare for the playoffs. And even if they made a late push, they're out in the first round. It's time to start looking at the draft. What's Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson doing? I actually agree with you. Um, It's really funny. I actually went back and listened to the way too early power rankings that we did back post draft. Okay. And uh, do you remember what your take was on the CL Seahawks or do I need to remind you? I mean, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure it was something like the team is way too reliant on Russell Wilson. There was a lot of turmoil in the previous season. I think their division's too good. I think they'll finish last. You predicted them at fourth place. Um, in their own division, they would struggle to win games and overcome just being too reliant on Russell Wilson. And you also said um, that they would be under 500. All things are 100% true as of today. So uh, obviously you didn't predict Russell's injury. We don't do that. Yeah. But th- besides Russ's injury, this team is uh, – they're bad. They're 1-6 against the NFC, so they can't even beat their own division. Um, two of their three wins are literally against the AFC. So they've lost three in a row. Nothing to write home about. Uh, the Bears, a team that you've been up and down on. Where are you at on the Bears? Should they be preparing for the draft, or are they uh, good enough to make a playoff push? They are 4-7. and seven. Um, They should be thinking about the draft. Um, still got to figure out what's going on 100% with the front office and uh, the head coach. They're 4-7, and seven, and their next game is against the Cardinals. And I believe they are a lock at third worst in their division. I don't think they're going much farther. Dealing with injuries to the future at quarterback and Justin Fields, Khalil Mack gone for the year. This whole team needs to really take a look in the mirror and decide what they want to do. They're probably going to have a top 10 draft pick. So I think Chicago should be looking onward to next year. All right. Uh I agree. I 100% agree. If there's anything I massively disagree with, I'm going to chime in. Uh, Giants, New York football Giants, 4-7 and seven on the year. Um, They're a team that, you know, it's funny because the wild card spots, there is a five-win team in there. So it's not too far out of the question yeah, for the just Giants. Just to be clear, so we can set the scene. Sorry, you just brought it up. So the, the Niners are 6-5. and five. We'll talk about them in a minute. 
The Vikings are five and six. They are the seventh seed. Every team that we're going to read from starting now, um, I'm sorry, after the next, after this team, so after the Giants, every other team is at five wins. Literally any of these teams with a win this week could be the seventh seed. So it's very open. So really this team's one game out. That's why this is kind of a, an interesting question. A lot of you are probably like, they're four and seven draft. They're one game out of a playoff spot. Yeah, um, I don't know if four and six is enough to get it done, but that's probably the best that they could do. They have the Dolphins who are playing hot right now. They still have to play the Cowboys who are going to be healthy. Washington is playing hot divisional game. They still have the Eagles again. That was a close game. I I just think the Giants are a little too far away right now. Um, They're a team that probably won't focus on the draft, but should. Yeah. Uh, a team that obviously we've been super high on, but at the same time, um, we acknowledge that they're kind of bad too. The Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, they're five and seven. They're actually two and zero oh in their division. They've they've lost two in a row with Cam Newton now. Where are you here? Yeah, Cam Newton was super sweet for a minute, and then we see why. You know, he's having these late late struggles. Um, Christian McCaffrey done for the year. J.C. Horns done for the year. Uh, they've done some good things in free agency, but shut it down, get a really good for high first-round draft pick, try and do something with it to acquire a new quarterback, whether it's a proven veteran or one in the draft that you like. But this team's got a young, improving defense. And when they have Henderson, Gilmore, and J.C. Horn next year, they're going to be some, a force to be reckoned with. But they're missing the quarterback, and maybe, maybe you start to wonder, do you trade Christian McCaffrey? Certainly not because of results on field, but when is he on the field? Yeah, I think you nailed that one. And you know I'm high on the Panthers, so uh, this is a team that has so much potential, but this isn't it. Wrap it up. Prepare for the draft. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, Philly, Philly. So let me give you the Philly. So they're five and seven. Yeah. Oh, and two in their division coming off a loss. Yeah. See, I would have, I was fully prepared to, to say yes on Philly. And I think I'm still going to go that route because Philadelphia has got an old, well, an aging offensive line. They don't know how much this crew is going to be there together. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Miles Sanders next year. There's a lot of up in the air pieces. But it seems like they already have their quarterback, so you don't need to tank for draft picks if you have your quarterback. You need to try and win every game you can. Uh, Jalen Hurts, we put up a graphic on the Facebook page on the first 15 games. But you look at their remaining schedule again. Jets, Washington, Giants, Washington. Those next four games are certainly all winnable. Have to win three of them at least. But I also say they should because they're two games behind the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are struggling at the moment. And if they don't turn it around, that division could be up for grabs between Washington, Dallas, and Eagles. So as bad as the Eagles may have been and as inconsistent as they've been all year, it's still in the cards for Philadelphia to host a playoff game, believe it or not. Yeah, you got you got to push for the playoffs if you're Philadelphia. Um, five and seven has never looked so good for them. Um, because not only, like you said, are they in play for the four seed, okay, which at the, at this time would it be the four seed. It could it could be higher if, the, um, if things pan out, but um, they would host a playoff game, like you said, and then if not, they're looking at a road playoff game. So regardless, a playoff spot is, is yeah, very much in the cards for you. <clears throat> they're kicking themselves after not beating the Giants this weekend because they'd be six and six and currently have the seventh seed. So it was a huge loss for Philly this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, five and six on the year, uh, one and two in division, uh, coming off a win, play Tampa this week. I mean, I know they're right on the outside looking in. I just think no Kelvin Ridley. This defense needs a lot of work. I want to say shut it down and, and focus on draft picks, but being – Trying not to be biased, the Falcons have every chance out in front of them to go for the playoffs. They still have three games left in division. They're going to have to take care of those, but, I mean, they're, what, three games behind Tampa? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, three, you know, three whole games. 
and they play them this week, so they have a chance to eclipse oh. one full game, so they could be two games back if they win. They still have the Panthers, who aren't playing well. They still have the Lions. They have the Saints, Tampa still left. Wow, that's a lot of winnable games there. Well, yeah, they got the Bills, too. So they've got the Buccaneers, Panthers, 49ers, Lions, Bills, Saints. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but that's not the question. Yes, they should still go for the playoffs. I think they have every chance to be a dark horse. And with Matt Ryan, he's got the experience, some of these weapons they got. If Calvin Ridley does come back, because he still can at any time, uh, Arthur Smith in his first year would really really buy some some fan credibility if he could bring him to the playoffs in his first year. Yeah. Uh, Washington football team, they're 5-6, and 1-0 and oh in division. That's crazy. They've only played one divisional game. And they're winners of three in a row. Yeah, uh, one of the hottest teams in November, Taylor Heineke, is a warrior. I know he's not the greatest, but I love watching Taylor Heineke play. Uh, this defense starting to come around a little bit, like you said, after their bye, man, they got it right. Three wins out of three. Uh, they've got the Raiders, and then they end on five straight in division. It is all out in front of them. They could easily take the division. They are one game behind the Dallas Cowboys, and they still play them twice. One of them's a Sunday night game. So there's no reason why they shouldn't go for it. Right now, they're better than the Eagles, and they're better than the Giants, and they're better than the Raiders. So you would think that they have four wins in front of them and two dogfights with Dallas. So Washington could turn this thing around and end up being a 10-win team after a really, really poor start. I think they should absolutely go for it. Yeah, I'm Not that I you. think they're going to go 10-6, and six, but they absolutely could. Well, 10 and 7 now, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah. And then these ones are more obvious, so I'm just going to read them. And if for some weird reason you think they should prepare for the draft, say so. Otherwise, um, we'll just say yeah. So Vikings are the seventh seed currently, 5 and 6, 2 and 0 oh in division. No, keep going. Keep going. Niners, six seed, 6 and 5, 1 and 3 in division. Winners of three straight. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rams seven and four, one and two. They're pretty much all in, but they have lost three in a row. Yeah, tough scenes for the Rams. Yeah, and then Cowboys, Bucks, Packers, Cardinals. We already know they're they're all in at this point. So, all right, AFC time. All right, so AFC. Jaguars two and nine lost three in a row. Their booty. Yeah, um, <clears throat> got to figure out if the coach is committed. Roster's a mess. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look great, but <clears throat> you know, usually give quarterbacks a year draft. Yeah, uh, Texans hundred percent draft, right? Yep, draft. Uh, Jets who have two picks in the first five. Two of the first five picks, I think they have four and five, right? I think so. Back-to-back picks as of right now is the projected. Um, 0 and 4 in their division. They did win. A, uh, they're coming off a win, though, 3 and 8. Yeah, they should start tanking. Not only are they fourth in a division that's trending up, but they're also 0 and 4 in the division, not only 3 and 8. So no shot at the playoffs draft. Random question. This is out of nowhere, and this is totally off topic. The Jets, if they do end up having two first five, two top five picks, hypothetically speaking, let's say they have two top seven, just for argument's sake. Okay, they took Mackay Becton in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, in 2020 they took right, Mackay yeah. Becton. In 2021 they took Zach Wilson, Wilson and then Elijah Vera and Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker. So they have a left tackle and a left guard. If you were them. Would you draft two more linemen and have literally a first round line to go with Taylor? What would you do here? What what what, I, what are you doing if you're I, the Jets? Like I would look at my big board of players and take the two best defensive players available. Defensive players. Yeah, I think you've spent a lot on wide receivers and what you've brought in in free agency. Offensive line has been a work in progress, but okay. Michael Carter's working out at running back. You got to give the quarterback time to gel with his offense. 
but that defense is just being walk up and down the entire field. I don't care what position they are. You find the best two defenders on your draft board and you take them. Yeah. Uh, here's where we start getting a little interesting. So the, the Bills are 7-4 and four at the 6th seed. Uh, and the, the Bengals are 7-4 and four at the 5th seed. But the Chargers are 6-5 and five at the 7th seed. So this next team, the Miami Dolphins are 5-7, and seven, winners of four straight. What would you do if you're the Dolphins? I think you got to go all in for the playoffs. Again, Tua, I think, is the guy that you're sticking with. And you start to look at the schedule. Okay, this team is hot, and the defense is really starting to step it up. Like I said, in most cases, the quarter, or the head coach is doing too much, so he hands off the play-calling duties. This is the opposite. Brian Flores got tired of it, took the defensive play-calling back. This team has come alive defensively. Their next three weeks, New York Giants, bye week, New York Jets. Then they're at a Saints team that doesn't know what they're doing at quarterback. Then they play a Tennessee team who's dwindling on injuries and no Derrick Henry. And then they're going to have a fantastic shot at the New England Patriots in Miami for the last week. I think this team is set up to make a run, finish the year on a very, very positive note, and potentially squeak into the playoffs. They were the first team out last year. Hopefully they don't get that again. But I think the Miami Dolphins, in a crazy turn of events, has every chance to make the playoffs. <coughs> Cleveland Browns, 6-6 six and six on the year, 1-2 and two in division, coming off a uh, loss on Sunday Night Football, the Ravens. Um, I think the Browns should absolutely push for the playoffs. I think I think just about every team probably in the NFC or AFC North needs to push for the playoffs. But if they want to do that, I believe they have to bench Baker. And I'm not a Baker hater, but he's way too injured. And you can tell that he is just – they just had four interceptions against Lamar Jackson and still lost the game. That can't happen. You need a healthy quarterback. But and they only I, scored 10 points. Who cares if they lost? They only had 10 right. points. Yeah, and I, I do think they need to push for the playoffs, but obviously they can't play like they've played the last two or three weeks and do that. Yeah, I mean, truly a lot of people have said, like, they picked off, you know, Lamar four times and lost. It's like, yeah, but if they lost 30 to 29, I understand they scored 10 points. Like, holy cow. Uh, Steelers, 5-5-1, five, five and one, losers of three in a row. Uh, absolutely 100% all-out push for the playoffs. Uh, this is their last year with Big Ben, and they've already said they're not looking to draft a quarterback. They want to go for a veteran, so their draft position isn't going to help them find a quarterback. And every quarterback that's in this draft, there's going to be four or five that they would have a chance on with the mid to late uh, draft pick. Um, Pittsburgh's got an incredibly tough schedule. Will they make the playoffs? I don't know, but should they absolutely try? Yes, I mean, they can still go 4-2 and two in division, and the tie would give them a better win percentage for a lock on wins. And they have some uh, important tiebreakers against some of the teams ahead of them or potentially could have tiebreakers. I'm going to assume you're saying playoffs for the rest. Colts? Yes. Broncos? Yes. Even though the Broncos have cut salary, they're not sure if their head coach is going to be there next year. Yep, I mean, you're... Whatever they've done has been making them better somehow because they beat the Cowboys. They just, who was, they beat the Cowboys. They had a bum game against the Eagles, but then they game Chargers. You yeah. look at some of their schedule coming up. They got the Chiefs. Then I mean, they've got some winnable games. Chiefs, which is in division. Then they've got the Lions, Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, and then Chiefs again. So if they win these games, they'll have all the tiebreakers they need if they win some of these and they still have a chance. I, I don't think they'd be great in the playoffs, but I think if you're the Broncos, you still have to go for it. Early prediction, you think they beat the Chiefs? No. Okay, just wondering. Uh, Raiders, eight seed, six and five, coming same off the win. Thing as, same thing as Denver. You know, ask me in a week or two, maybe the, you know things go the opposite way in the table for them. But yeah, you're right on the cusp. Anybody that has anywhere from five to seven wins, which is... Miami, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Denver, Las Vegas, Chargers, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City. All those teams are five to seven wins. Like there's two games separating you with six. Some people have seven games left. You have you have to go all out for it. You have to. 
Yeah, and then again, the rest of these teams are already securely in the playoffs as of today. Chargers, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, Titans, Patriots, and Ravens. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, We do have a mailbag question. Let me pull it up here. It is from weekly listener Jamie. And his question is, who is more to blame for Seattle's struggles? Russ cooking or lack thereof or Pete Carroll's play calling, or is it something else, Brad? Um, obviously Russell Wilson has, uh, come back too early from this injury. You can see his throws are all over the place, but the blame, I mean, halfway through the season, you could say it's this or that, but it's simply the roster is not good enough. They rely on a quarterback and two receivers to outscore defenses that simply are just making them run the ball behind a bad offensive line and no run game. And then on the flip side, they have no pass rush and no corners. What's the way to make a quarterback, you know, disrupted? You pressure him to cover up for your bad corners, or you have elite corner play to give your pass rushers time. They have neither of those. So the team is just, they have some good players, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, left tackle, quarterback. But, you know, even their Pro Bowl running back, Chris Carson, you know, out for the season. They just they just don't have the roster to be good. And they're in a nightmarish division. And the whole, man, football is just good. So they won their division last year. So I believe, am I correct in saying that? 12 and 4. They were yes. 12 and 4. Yeah, but we, we even talked about it, though. You, you then pull the number one seed schedule. You have to play five other number one seeds and then six games against your division. That's Which 11, is the toughest in football. Yeah, arguably, yeah. You have 11 games against teams that right now have a winning record in the NFL. I mean, that's just a gauntlet. It's brutal. And, you know, you, you go face, okay, well, the Steelers are the one seed. We drew them, and, you know, they're a little bit weaker this year. Yeah, but Geno Smith isn't going to get that done. You know, you have the Russell Wilson injury. You know, this it was always going to be hard for this team. And you start to wonder, you know, how bought in is Russ? You know, he talked about wanting to leave last year. You know, what's going on with that? Pete Carroll, he doesn't want to rebuild again. Is it kind of like they've just kind of given up and they're both going to go their separate ways after this year? Who who knows? There's tons of mystery around the Seahawks. But you just have to wonder, you know, they've got all three up up-and-coming young head coaches who are building their teams from the ground up who are going into their prime, and the Seahawks are coming out of theirs with an old head coach and a veteran quarterback and may want to go elsewhere. But to answer the question simply, I think their roster is just not good enough for the schedule they were dealt. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to the Seahawks. We could do an entire pod on them, truthfully. Like, I think Russ seemed fine to start the year. He's clearly hurt now. He obviously did come back too early. Um, Their team has been poorly managed as far as drafting and as far as uh, acquiring talent, whether it be through trade or free agency. It's been pretty poorly ran. And the one thing I don't understand about this team is when they were successful, you could argue they had three elements. They had the Legion of Boom, so the strong secondary, right? They had a quarterback that didn't turn the ball over in Russ. But the best thing about their team was they were a power run with Marshawn Lynch. Okay? And Marshawn Lynch obviously goes and retires, or he gets he demands a trade to Oakland or however that went down. It was kind of a weird situation. But um, they've never replaced him. They've never replaced him. And they're, the funny thing is, is, when you ask people what is Seattle, I think a lot of people would tell you they're a running team because they actually carry the ball a ton, but they're not good at it. You know what I mean? Like, if that's your identity, if that's what you do, you have to be good at it because if you're not, you're going to be a bad football team like New England was last year, 7-9 football team. They're a running team, and they were okay at it, but they weren't great. You know what I mean? Like, there's there was just def- the deficiencies in the team that, okay, well, now you've run up against a team that can stop throwing. Now what? And, it's and not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Russ can't then throw it. I'm just saying they're not even good at what their identity is. And they had, like, less than a quarter of possession last night against Washington. Like Against they could Washington, get, a team yeah. that I have dogged all year. Yeah, and it's like they're struggling to pick up first downs offensively. 
And we even talked about it, you know, last year. How are they 12 and 4? Well, I know the defense is bad, but Russell Wilson is putting up so many points. Well, they're not having a good year offensively, and it's truly exposing how awful that defense is. They have no pass rush, no corners. I mean, it's just it's hard to watch the Seattle Seahawks play football. I know Seahawks fans may may dislike that or may have their own opinions, but from the outside looking in, it's like it's always kind of been, hey, Russ, bail us out. And you know, he's playing hurt and been injured and Again, they drew such a tough schedule. I, I can't – I couldn't see them winning games. And not to say I called it, but like like Jeff pointed out at the beginning of this pod, it's kind of exactly how I thought the season would kind of go, you know, disregarding injuries for the Seahawks. The thing is, is they won a ton of their first several games last year. I don't have it exactly in front of me, okay? Um. And it just seems like they just, they've fallen apart. They are not what they were to start 2020. And uh, this year, they're a bad football team. That's just the facts of life. I mean, they are a bad football team. And, you know, there's plenty of teams that win with backup quarterbacks. You can say, well, Geno started. Well, Colt McCoy's been starting for Arizona. He's been diamond dudes up. So, um, it, Yeah. That's all I got on that, Jamie. And I think Brad went as far as he could, too. So I think it's time for some power rankings. Sure. Okay. I'll start. I usually do. Um, I have a dead nut tie at 10. Both of these teams. So here's what, let me start here before I even go into my uh, my my top 10 here. So um, <laughs> excuse me. We just talked about all the teams that have a shot at the playoffs in both the NFC and the AFC. There's a ton of mid-card teams. It is insane how many teams are still playoff teams. And I think if one of those teams were to win, let's say, four in a row, maybe the Dolphins, some people may have them on their top ten. I'm not going to. Because at the end of the day, I still have to look myself. uh, I have to look at Brad, and I have to tell all you guys that I think this team's a top ten team. And I can't do that on certain teams. One of the reasons I didn't have the Colts on my, on my my top 10 last week, we kind of talked about that. So just know that the teams that I have on here, you may not love, and they may have fallen out of your top 10, but on any given Sunday, I just I have them as better than the rest of the league. These are the 10, or, or 11 as of today. But uh, top and 10 is literally a dead nut tie because one of these teams I wanted to leave off and one of them I wanted in, so I just left them both at 10. Titans, Rams. These are a tale of two different teams. The Titans are the most beat-up team in the entire league, bar none, can't argue it, and now it's starting to it's starting to hit them. The Rams, on the other hand, yeah, they've lost Robert Woods, but they're almost like the most talented team in the league, but they're they're hitting like a, a, a road patch. Um, a, a bumpy road, a dirt road, whatever you want to call it, a block in the road. They're, they're struggling, and they've lost three in a row. Um they're not the 11th or 12th best team in the league. I think they're still top 10. They got to figure things out, and I think they'll be there in the end, which is why I have them at 10 here. Nine, another team has starting to slip away, but I still think they're as good as anybody, especially fully healthy. This team's had some weird scenarios with COVID and stuff. It's the Cowboys. Um, it's hard for me to leave the Cowboys off this list. I think the Cowboys are a top 10 team. I have them at nine. Uh, eight. Uh, this team has been so hot or cold and then when they lose, it's weird. And then when they win, they blow bad teams. Out. I have the bills um, <coughs> seven and four in the year. I think it's, I think it's a fair spot for them as well as they've played last these last couple weeks. I think uh, eight's fine for them. Number seven. I, I really like this team. I had them peaked really high earlier in the year and then they dropped a game and they got blown out. I think by the Browns, I got the Bengals at seven. I really like the Bengals. Like I really like the Bengals. I think, um, their offense is as good as anybody's. Their defense is a little, eh, it's, it's much better than what I thought it would be to be the year. And their offensive line's much better than I thought it would be this year. And Joe Mixon has been the best Joe Mixon of his career. I think he's always had solid years. I think he's been hurt a bunch. This is the best Joe Mixon ever. Um, and the Bengals are fun to watch. I have him at seven. Right above them, division rival at six is the Ravens. This is probably too high for the Ravens. But they're at at the end of the day, there has to be a uh, there has to be some sort of reward for winning games in this league, and they've won eight. The amount of teams that have won eight games in this league, two, four, six teams. <laughs> I mean, 
There's only 32, so they, they need to have some sort of credential there. I have them at six, even though they beat the team above them. I have K- Kansas City at five. I don't love Kansas City as far as um, what everybody else does, but I still think they're, at this point, they're probably top five team in this league. Um, they're starting to get better. Things are starting to turn around, though I don't think they're back or winning Super Bowls yet. I think there's a lot to fix here. Um but they have the pieces, and, and I have them at five. Four, arguably too low. Um, Green Bay. I have Green Bay at four. Uh, only because when, when the, the top three teams are ahead of them, I would take them. Um, Green Bay is nine and three, and they have, like, the weirdest season. Just the weirdest season. Um, like I said, arguable for, uh, for, a, for higher than four, but I got them at four. Uh, three, Tampa. Um, it, it's hard for me to drop them down and I feel like they're being weirdly criticized because they are the Super Bowl champions. Um, a couple weeks back, Brady had three turnovers and people say he played atrocious, but yeah, he threw four touchdowns in the game. Uh, this week he threw two touchdowns, but people said he was mediocre. It's like, well, that's what Tom Brady is at this point. We're mediocre with two touchdowns, but, uh, beating a good Colts team. I have him a hot, good Colts team. On the road, I got him at, uh, at number three here. Uh, my top two are unchanged after this week. I thought New England had a great posi- um, a great game in execution against the Titans, a Titan team that was um, an eight-win team. Beat them down pretty good. And the Cards didn't play this week, but they're still 9-2. and two, And uh, until something changes, I have them at one. Yeah, um, we got a lot of the same teams as per usual. You know, our few differences. I like the list. Um, it was funny, you were talking about your quote-unquote dead nut tie at number 10, and they were both teams that I was comfortable leaving off my list. Um, and I get it. I get right, it. yeah. Um, I do believe they will be there in the end. The Titans, if they get healthy, I hope they get Derrick Henry back. Without him, I don't believe they'll be there in the end. Agree, agree. Um, but the Rams, they're, they're you got to... They are hanging by an absolute threat. Yeah. They're they're fortunate that the end of their schedule and the end of the Colts schedule are opposite ends of tough and easy. Um, and for the Rams, man, you can take the man out of Detroit, but can you take Stop Detroit that. out of the men? Stop that. All I can do is tell you that in the last three games, he scored a touchdown for both teams. I I don't want to. I don't know what else to say. I can only say you'd have to assume he's going to stop that. But Matt Schaub was the last person to do that. So three straight games, pick six. It is what it is. Hopefully they turn it around. But it doesn't look promising for the Rams. But I'm going to keep moving forward. No, real quick, before you go any farther, you say it doesn't look promising for the Rams. So just just to say this, this mm-hmm. is becoming I'm, – I'm, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady whatsoever, just to be clear. This is a little bit of the Tom Brady treatment, though. 21 of 38 for 300 yards and three touchdowns is a bad game. That's what we're at for Matt Stafford. That's touchdown a bad game. He scored a touchdown for the other team. I understand. Dude, sometimes picks go the other way. Sometimes that shit happens. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, he did that in three straight games. and Well, this I mean, one was on the road against what a lot of people consider the best team in the league. They lost by six, eight. They lost by one score on the road. I'm just saying four of their last six games are Cardinals, Vikings, Ravens, and 49ers. That's why I'm saying if they don't turn it around, they're going to get beat by those teams. No, no. Hey, we agree a lot, but I'm just saying, like, let's pump down that this is the Stafford of Detroit. This is the reason the Lions are bad. The Lions haven't won a game since he's been gone. I'm just saying that he has to start playing better. Better than Three touchdowns and 300 yards? Yeah. The defense gave up 36 points. No, they gave up... They gave up 30 points. 29. Yeah, Yeah, see? But that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't say anything after one pick six against the Titans. It happens. And when it happened against the 49ers, I was like, man, that's just bad luck. And then for a third game in a row, and if you watched that game, which a lot of people did Sunday night... There was balls thrown behind open receivers. There was balls thrown that were missed. I mean, he probably had 50 attempts to get to 300 yards and three touchdowns. He had 38. I mean, huh? He had 38. That's, he was that's 21 of 38. I'm just saying, when the Rams are their best, they're they're running and doing the play action and 
you start to wonder if this team's going to miss Robert Woods. That's all I'm saying. They do. Go so, ahead. Get your, get your den. All right. All right. Three straight games. With three. I had to. I mean, at some point I got to bring that up. Um, number 10, I have the Cowboys. You know, I like to say that, you know, I got to judge your, you know, what's happening lately. They've lost three of the last four. And they're only one and four when they can't run for 100 yards. And Zeke looks banged up. There's questions on if they're going to rest him, if they're not. Tony Pollard's been balling, so maybe they're going to go for him. But this team's been decimated on injuries. Um, their two best pass rushers and their two top wide receivers have missed the bulk of their last two games. And they're still competing. So I'd like to see this team get back healthy and maybe string a few together. But they're going to hold on to the 10 spot before I kick them out. Um Bengals at number nine, seven and four, just had a destruction of the Pittsburgh Steelers, beat them by 31 points. And I know this is kind of indicative to maybe a lot of teams, but they only lose when Burrow has a bad game, not just mediocre. He can be okay, and this team wins. Joe Mixon, I agree 100%. This is the best Joe Mixon we've had since Tyler Boyd's come back from that little nicks and bruises he was having with injuries. This, this tree of wide receivers is ridiculous. The yeah. tight end's coming alive. They've got two good pass rushers now. They've got a stud at the back end of their secondary corners playing well. Burrow just has to not screw it up. They lost when he threw three picks to the Bears. They lost when he threw a couple picks here and there to it. Like It's just when Burrow plays bad, this team loses. But all he has to do is play good to great, and they're rolling. Number eight's going to be the Bills. Um, every single one of their seven wins is by 15 points or more. So it's kind of like they have like they could just blow you out. Like they once they catch their groove, they're they're untamable. But the problem is is this team's going to stay at 7 for now because they just lost their best corner and one of the best corners in the league for the season. And Josh Allen is covering up how poor this offensive line and running game is. They simply don't have it. If this team has to play in the rain, I mean, oh. I don't favor, I don't favor them to win at all. And when they got hit by a team who who could play the pass well and ran, you know, the Colts were able to run all over them. And that's going to be my team at number seven, even after a loss. Um, we said we were going to find out a lot about this team. I had them at seven before their two games where they played the Bills and the Buccaneers. They decimated the Bills and they played the Buccaneers very well. Um, I think they had four or five turnovers. And they still only lost by a touchdown, which is interesting because the Buccaneers, the Cowboys had four turnovers against them, and they had to win by a field goal at the gun. You'd like to see the, the Buccaneers start to really punish teams for turning the ball over that many times. But they got wins in both of them. That's all you can ask for. But the Colts are on the up and up. MVP candidate at running back. I think this team's here to stay. And uh, I think they proved my point over their last two games, even though they were one and one. Number six, Baltimore. Currently the number one seed in the AFC. For some reason, they've just escaped my list for so long, and then it dawned on me, man, this team is 8-3, and three, and they're first in the AFC. Like, they're just quietly going about it. I think Lamar, over the last two years, has put them in a spot to where if they're not 13-3, and three, we think they're having a bad season. Or if they're not, you know, the number one seed or competing because Lamar's been so good. This team's had some injuries. Everyone has. But Lamar Jackson, this team can score, throw four picks and still win. Their defense that was really poor beginning and middle of the season has held their opponents to less than 20 in back-to-back -back weeks. They're starting to figure it out. And like exactly like you said, at some point, wins have to carry a little bit more merit than what I think I see, and this team's being dominant. Number five after the bye week is the Chiefs' four-game win streak. Their defense has eight takeaways the last two games. Defense trending up. We all know what this offense is capable of. And if they don't turn the ball over, punt, this team's been – incredible as of the last month number four is tampa bay at eight and three um tom brady with Gronk. it's just a whole new concept of what you have to stop from an offense like their their telepathic connection is just remarkable and it opens up everything on this offense leonard fournette had four touchdowns and i'm talking about tom brady to Gronk. he opened up so much for this team it was so crucial. Every time they need something, you know it's going there, and they don't stop it or can't, simply can't. So when he gets A-B back, this team is going to be full go on offense. They're getting their defensive starters back, 
and no one's going to want to see this team in the playoffs. They might not lose again. Number three, I don't know how you punish a team like this when they're on their bye and they're nine and two. Maybe it's because I haven't watched them enough, but the Cardinals are going to be at three. And I almost did it too. It's literally, it's it's nothing against the Cardinals. They're just going to have to take a take a stray bullet here. They were sitting over on the sideline watching some stuff go on, and they got caught with some friendly fire. They're going to fall to three. I have no quarrels with the Cardinals. I just didn't see them play last weekend, so they're going to be at three. Number two, six-game win streak, New England Patriots. They have every case for number one. They're simply the hottest team right now. Over the six-game win streak, they're, they've scored 35 points a game. It's remarkable. They're also plus 13 in the turnover differential. Their team leads the NFL in interceptions. This team, in terms of their front seven, it's been the same thing. So many teams try to make it impossible for the quarterback. Patriots don't do that. They just don't let anything be easy. There's literally zero easy things when you watch the Patriots that you can do against them. The only reason I don't have them at one, well, there's two reasons. One, the Packers do have a better record by one and two. I like their wins a little bit more. They've beat the Cardinals. They beat the Rams. They beat, they just beat, I think, some stronger teams. And with the Patriots, you know, they they get big plays, but a lot of it's on catch and run. They don't score many three-play touchdowns, I guess is what I'm getting at. But they do all the time methodically drive down the field. Packers have that ability. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I'm kind of giving the benefit of the doubt to the quarterback there. And for the Packers to do what they've done, missing some of their best players. Aaron Jones has missed time. Devontae missed a game with COVID. Aaron Rodgers has missed a game with COVID. Darius Smith's been out. Jair Alexander's been out. Bakhtiari's been out. They lost another tackle to an ACL. And they're still giving the Cardinals one of their only losses. They're still playing the Chiefs good with their backup quarterback. I mean, this team should be 10-2 and two if it wasn't for some debacle that happened week one that led us astray on the Packers. But those are your top three teams. I think the top three definitively are Packers, Cardinals, Patriots in any order. And I believe the next three are Tampa, Chiefs, Ravens in any order. I think that's the top six. But I think that's the order, like, in terms of the tiers, if you will, if you were to break it to tiers. I think those three are the top. And you wouldn't want to bet against the Patriots right now to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, which is kind of crazy compared to where we were at the beginning of the year. But, again, with the Patriots, they play the good teams good, and they blow out the bad teams. They don't play down to their competition. Two of their losses, field goal at the gun to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a monsoon, and an overtime thriller against the Cowboys. So, Phil Belichick, their special teams, their kicker, their punter, Quarterback, don't make mistakes. They're scary. <clears throat> what do you think of uh, what do you think about New England? Obviously, you have them as their second team, but what do you think as far as what they are? Do you think this is sustainable? Do you think this is just like a stretch where they're playing some average teams that they're able to capitalize on? Do you think this is a legit Super Bowl contender? I think it's a legit Super Bowl contender. I don't even know how you wouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't think they are. Yeah, then they don't watch football. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this team's 8-4. So, and four. Well, let's, let's, let's digress just a sec. We did, before the season started, we picked apart their schedule, both of us. We were, we, were, we were off by, you were, you were fluctuating between 10 and 11, or 9 and 10, I think it was, and I was fluctuating between 11 and 12. Um, maybe some bias in there, who knows. But we both thought they would capitalize off a bad schedule, a third-place schedule, if you will. Um, Average opposing quarterbacks, rookie head coaches, a, uh, a questionable division, um, and they haven't even played the Bills yet. They're going to play the Bills twice. Sure. I think they're better than the Bills. I think they're going to beat do them. Too. I do too. Their yeah. next three games are Bills, Colts, Bills. We'll find out a lot. And That is thing- a juggernaut of a stretch, by the yeah. way. And, and they can't hide either because, well, Actually, if I open it up, maybe they have a buy in between. They do. Yeah. They have a buy. They play the Bills on Monday night. They play the Bills on Monday night. And then actually, December 18th, do they play the Colts on a Saturday night? It just got flexed to a Saturday night last week. Yeah. So everyone's going to be watching. They're not going to be able to hide. We're going to see them against the Bills and the Colts. 
And, I mean, Josh Allen's had some turnovers. Carson Wentz has had some turnovers. Bill Belichick is the smartest defensive coach in NFL history, and he's got a defense that's humming. And he's got an offense that went from, hey, don't screw it up, to, oh, hey, that's another 11-play touchdown drive. Like, this team runs the ball, they take what you give them, and they don't complain about it, and they just march down the field, score touchdowns. I mean, they are a suit-and-tie business trip, and they're, they're assassins. I mean, they just go in and they win. That's just what Bill Belichick's always done. And Mac Jones has a cheat sheet, having Bill Belichick as the head coach, and Josh McDaniels, who have seen every defense 100 times, and they know what to do. To, and not only does – maybe it's not sustainable how much the Patriots are taking the ball away but it is sustainable how much the Patriots aren't giving it away. So if they never, it just seems like they never give the ball away. And like I said, there's so many teams in so many different categories that try and do the impossible. Like the Patriots don't try and make it impossible for the other team's offense. They just make sure there's not a single thing that's easy. And it's, it's difficult to beat. You get impatient. That's why they win games late or you, they just turnovers because they just, they sit there and they just puppeteer you into thinking something's going to be open and then they just take it away. It's what they've done for 20 years. It's what they've done my whole life. And that's why they're here again. After one year hiatus, they got their quarterback and then just rinse cycle repeat. So maybe it's, they've been good for so long that a I'm giving them more credit than they deserve or B some people are giving them less credit than they deserve because they want them to be bad. But when you look at the football team, it's like, there's so many teams that are so close from five to seven wins. Why is that? Because every team has qualities that, well, there's like two or three maybe that are bad, but the NFL is hard to win on a weekly basis. And there's things we like about all these teams that they beat the Chargers, crush the Panthers, crush the Browns, crush the Falcons, and then crushed the Titans. Like these aren't even close games. And these are all teams that we said, yes, they should still be making a push for the playoffs. So, well, you ask, what about when they face Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? It's like, well, we're about to see, but the Chiefs' defense doesn't have a very good secondary. They've been playing well as of late, but will they against the Patriots? And maybe I'm going on too long and long, but you look at the teams, it's like Tampa Bay's a top team. Okay, when they were early in the season figuring it out, they lost by a field goal late. The Cowboys were on fire. They lost by less than a touchdown because of overtime. Like, and then you talk about the bad teams or middle teams they play, and they've just been crushing them. Like, these aren't even close games. These are turnoff at halftime games, 24-6, Like, those are snoozers, and those are all teams that have a legitimate chance at the playoffs. So are they Super Bowl contenders? Absolutely. And if they beat the Bills and then beat the Colts, if they if they go two and one in their next three games, like, yeah, they're absolutely Super Bowl contenders. Maybe people don't want them to be, and maybe you don't want to say it on your podcast because you're a Patriots fan, but that's just how it is. No, I, I, I want to say it, but at the same time, it's like, and I understand where people might think like I'm being biased, but I can tell you definitively, I watch a lot of football. I haven't missed a Patriots game now. It's been a long time. We're, we're talking back to maybe 2017 since I missed an actual Patriots game. Um, this team is as good as when Tom Brady was there. I'm not saying Mac Jones is better than Tom Brady. Let me make that very clear. That would never come out of my mouth. I'm saying this team is as good, meaning they can do things similar to the way the old Patriots could do things. What did what do they those teams do? They take the ball away. They don't give it up. They run the football and they make the throws that you need. Mac Jones is completing seventy percent of his passes. And oh wait, by the way, in the month of November, he led all quarterbacks in passer rating. Ah, oh, it's a garbage stat, right? Well, he did it while leading the league in yards per pass at eight point three. That was the highest in the month of November of 30, anyone. Thirty-five points per game. And when you watch Sports Center. You see some of these like dimes to the corner of the end zone or split in the safety and corner. We literally don't look at him like a rookie. He literally lines up. He's like, okay, that's exactly what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick told me was going to be here. We're going to go to this play. I'm going to look off this safety and you're going to be wide fucking open going to the sideline there. And I'm going to drop it right in your biscuits. 
that's what he's always been good at. And someone made a good point in the Pat McAfee uh, podcast. I think it was Darius Butler. Mac Jones was on Alabama's second string for three years, playing against five-star recruits in practice every day with second stringers. Oh, everyone was wide open when he won that championship at Bama. Yeah, because he looked off safeties and knew where to go and put the ball right on the money every time, never missed throws. It's like we knew who we were getting, and he went to the one guy the NFL couldn't let him go to, and it's just the same thing. It's Alabama is so similarly run to the Patriots, and it's just perfect. We don't When we compare the rookie quarterbacks, it's, oh, well, there's these four and then what Mac Jones is doing because the Patriots have been so dominant. You know, there's there's been stories and, and, and rumors out there that Mac Jones, while on that scout team at Alabama that you just brought up, would move the ball against the first teamers. And Nick Saban would say something and the defense would be like, all right, kill, chill out, kid. He's like, stop me. Like he this he was prepared for that spot. And definitively, without a shadow of a doubt, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell both played with Tua and Mac Jones. When asked before the draft, who's better? Wasn't even a question. Mac Jones. But Jalen Waddell knew there was a chance he could play with Tua. Mac Jones. It, it wasn't even a question. And the the, the thing that I, I find slightly annoying, because New England is, they're good for a, a plethora of reasons. Much like a lot of teams. It's not just a QB. But Mac Jones is playing just as good as Justin Herbert played last year. But because Mac Jones plays for Bill Belichick, oh, well, he's in the right system. I don't, I don't even know if it's because of that. It's just because he's not running you know, 15-yard scampers to the fight or tricking a guy. He doesn't – there's nothing about him that's attractive to to watch visually with your eyes. It's the same as Tom Brady. He's so boring to watch, but he's – he's. it's like oh, it's a surgeon. I mean, how do you not marvel at Brady's greatness? We'll, we'll, get, we'll get away from that. He's different. But, at, but, but you just look at Tom Brady and it's like – or Mac Jones, excuse me, and it's like – Again, I brought this up before. What was Tom Brady successful with in New England? Well, all he did was check down. Well, yeah, that's the guy you left open. Why wouldn't he throw it to the open guy and let the athletes you like watch make the plays? Like, it's just, it's so simple that it's like, oh, it's stupid that he's doing that. And then when you watch your own team, you're like, why are you not hitting that tight end that's wide open three yards down the field when your quarterback chucks a punt down the right sideline that falls incomplete and then you're on Facebook the next day complaining that there wasn't enough pass interference calls? It's like there's these guys that are open on all the plays. Why do only so few teams do it or few guys? Not saying Brady didn't have some moments where it's like that's all taken away. I just got to beat you and was able to do it. But at the same time, it's like that's what you want in your quarterback. Every time he gets the ball, you feel confident that you're scoring this drive. And they've, like I said, the last four games, it's like snoozers at, in the third quarter. They're just destroying teams. They're they're a freight train right now. And we're going to get to watch. We got to watch them on Thursday night. Now we're going to get to watch them on a Monday night against the Bills. And then again on a Saturday night. We're going to get to see a lot of Patriots. And it might be boring at quarterback. But you tell me who the better team is when they play the Bills and the Colts. I bet you'll say the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one game this year where Mac Jones, A, looked like a rookie, and B, lost the game for New England. That was against New Orleans. He turned the ball over three times, and Sean Payton took advantage of a rookie quarterback and I believe, what was the third week before New England. So, got him in the right spot. It, you know, everything kind of mapped out there. It's just like, outside of that, he's played really, really well. And he, again, he, I don't think he's asked to do a ton, but what he is asked to do, he does at a high level. The yeah. highest level. The highest level. And that's what every coach should do. It's like the same thing with the Dolphins. Why is Tua playing so much better now? Because they finally committed to Tua instead of Deshaun Watson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they're like, funny idea. Let's take our offensive playbook and write it with all the stuff is good at. Yeah. And he's a whole new quarterback. And the defense is feeding off of what the offense is doing, and the Dolphins have turned into a juggernaut the last month. No one wants to play that team. And it's like it's the same thing. It's what the Patriots have always done. They draft – they have a system on defense, and whatever position they need to do something, they Kyle Duggar in the second round. He's got some picks this year because he does that position what they needed to do well. So it's like 
when you draft, like some people like just draft the best defensive player available. Okay, but you can't really design a defense around one guy. You got to draft pieces that fit your defense. Yeah. When it comes to offense in a quarterback, you can't just say, hey, this is my system figured out. You got to sit down. Hey, what do you do well? That's why Drew Brees works so well. Peyton Manning works so well. Tom Brady works so well. Even Big Ben, when he had some of those quarterbacks, it's like you've got to work out a system for what's good with your quarterback. And Josh McDaniels has done that day one with Matt Jones. And sequently enough, it's because his style of play is identical to the guy they just had for 20 years. <clears throat> Whether he's as good or not, or turns out to be, or this or that, he's the same exact silhouette. He's the same style. And it's rinse, cycle, repeat. Just Bill Belichick, suit and tie. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go 110%. We're just going to execute. Whatever you do good, we're just going to make you not do that. And then we're going to beat you. Do your job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really my favorite Bill Belichick quote is that one dude last year who asked him it was a super long question but it was basically like you know with no fans in the stands you know is there any sort of situation you've ever played something like this like but it was like a minute long question and he was like practice (laughs) (laughs) it was just like yeah it's exactly what you play without a crowd is practice that's that's the most Bill Belichick answer too that's great it was one where Practice. Practice. Next question. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Well, hope you guys dug the, uh, the power rankings this week. Hopefully you guys dug who we think's in, who's planning for the draft, who's a good football team, who's not. And, uh, yeah, we're back Sunday with the live show. Yeah. Um. I know uh, I just wanted to clear the air on something. Some people have tried to rob me of my joy watching Michigan because I did say that I was a Texas fan. So I just want to address this quickly. I addressed Huh? This has been happening? Oh, yeah, because I did say I was a Texas fan at the beginning of the year. I remember. I remember. So what I would like to acknowledge is I went back and I looked, and since I've watched football the last 16 years, Texas has never played Michigan. So I decided very early that why not – just cheer for both. So a lot of people are like, oh, you can't celebrate the win for Michigan when you're cheering for Texas. I'll have you know that I've watched every snap of Michigan. I was there for the heartbreak at Michigan State, the thriller against Nebraska, and the massive win this weekend against Ohio State. And there's Facebook videos and pictures of what it meant to me when I did not know I was being recorded at my aunt's house, but I don't mind it. But I'll also have you know I was there for the massive debacle against Oklahoma, Oklahoma, when they came back and destroyed us. I was there when we were up in the fourth quarter in Oklahoma State and blew another game. I was there in the heartbreak one possession loss to Baylor. I was there in overtime when we got beat by frickin' Kansas, and now we're not bowl eligible. I was there when we got beat by West Virginia, and I was there for a nonsense game that we only scored 22 and beat Kansas. So I watched all that, too. So, you know, I did not just get rid of Texas. I've watched all of their games as well. I've got more than one TV. But get that out of here. Get that out of here. We got a Big Ten championship game to win, and then we're coming for that natty, and I don't want to hear nothing about it. There's only so many ways you can be salty, and you guys have exhausted every opportunity to try every one of them. I don't want to hear it. We could go back. No, Ohio State fans do this funny thing. Just It's just a funny thing where they get to control how far history goes back. Because if you want to go history, we'll go all the way back to we've won it more times. But if we're not going to do history, who won it last? And guess what? Both of those freaking lines are go blue, baby. So hail to the victors. Get that, squash that right now. So if anybody has to ask me that at any point the rest of my life, I'll say go back to this pod and listen to the last two minutes. Hook them horns and go blue, okay? I like them both. With that, with that being said, you just opened a can of worms. Yeah. So, if you're you're listening to this pod and you're thinking to yourself, "Yeah, Brad, that's not fair. You can't have two teams." Listen to here. Let me set you straight here. I'm not. First of all, I'm not a two team guy, but I, I get what Brad's doing here. But here's what I'm not going to accept: you criticizing Brad if you over the last twenty four months have said that Michigan sucks. They need to fire Harbaugh. They'll never beat Ohio State. How they're winning is ugly, and it's unacceptable. 
and all that other bullshit that came out of people's mouths over the last several weeks that I've had to constantly defend every single week telling you that this team's different. And God forbid you called for J.J. McCarthy to start over Cade. Yeah, stop listening at this point because just <laughs> listen. Chill out. People can root for who they want to root for. As long as they're not rooting for Ohio State, that's terrible. Don't do that. Yeah, it's just, you know, I thought maybe. I thought maybe I could go away from Michigan. But then my, my boy comes over for the first game, and they're slapping that banner, you know, and I'm watching every snap. It's just, Michigan's won me so much money in gambling. Michigan. <laughs> I mean, I can't bet against them. Michigan's won me so much money, I can't even make that up. They probably won me six, $700. Should have bet on the game yesterday, but or this weekend, but. That's neither here nor there, but you just, you you can't take it out of you. You know, I've cheered for it my whole life, and when they lost to Michigan State, I thought their chances may just be over, you know, but then I realized we get to play a a pretty soft team that's ranked pretty high, so that was going to help us in the the playoff, which is in a half hour. If you guys listen to this, maybe you're going to listen to it at a time where the rankings are already over, but. What's your prediction, Jeff? I'm going to give mine real quick. I gave it on Facebook. Uh, number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Although I believe Cincy should jump Bama, I don't think they will. Bama's going to stay at three. Cincy at four. Here's my tough question. I do believe there's a chance Ohio State and Michigan could just swap and they could stay at five. But I believe Oklahoma State has earned the fifth spot. However, I don't think they'll drop Ohio State lower than Notre Dame. So Notre Dame gets the brunt of this, especially with them losing their coach. I think that factors in. So Georgia, Michigan, Bama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. And then you got got Ole Miss, Taylor, and Oregon as the last three in any particular order. I've gone back and forth on this because I don't think – I don't think that they're going to punish Ohio State, just like they didn't punish Michigan. If you remember, Michigan lost to Michigan State and did not fall many spots and then was able to recover very quickly, okay? I don't think Ohio State's going to fall very far. They might honestly swap Michigan-Ohio State 2-5 or move Michigan up to 3, Ohio State to 5, and then if Michigan's able to win this week and Bama loses, then that'll fix itself too. Um, Official prediction, Georgia- Bama, though I don't agree they should be there. Bama, Michigan, Cincy, Ohio State, Oklahoma State. Meaning, everything will have its chance to work out. Oklahoma State gets an extra game win in your in. They get to hop Ohio State. Okay, I think they would drop Bama out. And then the official, if everybody would win, it would be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, there's always a few things that could, that could shake out. I did have one scenario I wanted to ask you. So, assuming Georgia's one and Michigan's two, let's say Georgia beats Bama and Michigan beats Iowa. Okay, they win their their championships, and they slide Cincinnati up to three. If Oklahoma State loses to Baylor, would Ohio State or Notre Dame get the fourth spot? If Oklahoma State loses to Baylor, would who? Notre Dame or Ohio State, because Notre Dame and Ohio State. It would don't be have any it games. would be Ohio State unless Cincy lost. If Cincy doesn't lose, I don't think Notre is Dame gets in. Is Cincy in a? Cincy's in a, gonna get in. I think Cincy has done enough. In a conference so K- Cincy's in a conference championship. They are. Yeah, they're gonna play some oh. butt school. I thought they were independent. No, they're in the random-ass conference of whatever they're in. Oh, I didn't even know that. I thought they were just done playing. No, they, they got one more game. It's it's against literally, like, nobody. Right. Hang on. I'm looking up as we speak. Uh, Cincinnati will play Houston. Actually, Houston's ranked 11-1, and one, so that would be yeah, a big win for them. Team. They're the 23rd-ranked team. Yeah, they're in the AACC. Could you imagine if Georgia if, could you imagine if Georgia beat Bama and Houston beat Cincinnati? And then you had Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame all trying to get the last two spots. If Alabama beats Georgia, oh, Georgia Cincy State loses, and Cincy loses, do you know what they should do? It should be Georgia, <laughs> Michigan, 
Bama, Ohio State. And then we get Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, winners play. So if it's an all-SEC and all-Big Ten, or if it's one and one, that would be wild. Wild. All right, well, we'll see. That's just nonsense. We The game's got to be played. We need this 12-team. This is going to be the final year where the, the, the final straw that breaks the back, you know what I'm saying? You know like, why? Because Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame are all getting left out. Too much money. They'll vote in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. And if yep. you think about it, like, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Baylor, Alabama, Georgia, like two or three of these teams are being left out no matter what happens. Yeah. Like it's, we need this. We, they should be like, surprise, 12 team playoff this year. <laughs> no. Crazy. <laughs> no. All right, man. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Real talk. Yep, real talk, guys.